Is it possible to be joyful no matter what? I mean, it's possible to be joyful, right, when, when everything is going our way. You ever had one of those times where you're driving down the main road, I don't know what the name of one of yours is, but you get every green light? And like, it's just happening so perfectly, you're thinking, this is my lucky day, and I'm not going to increase or decrease my speed by even one mile an hour because I don't want to break my streak. And you're like, this is great. And we do really well at being joyful when everything's going our way. When my blood pressure's down and my bank account is up, I'm joyful. The challenge is when it's not that way. You're getting every red light. You're having a problem. By the way, you get the red lights only when you're running late. You get the green ones when it doesn't matter. And we have these challenges and frustrations. Can we still keep our joy then? You see, that's the real challenge. Well, we can, but it's hard sometimes, isn't it? I invite you to turn with me in your Bible to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be this morning looking at verses 12 through 21. While you're turning there, let me give you some background on the writing of this passage. This was written by the Apostle Paul. He was in Rome while he wrote it. He wrote it to the church in Philippi, which was uh, way away from where he was. The four years prior to this writing had been very, very difficult for Paul. He had spent two years imprisoned in Caesarea Philippi. He wasn't guilty of any crime. They trumped up a charge, but even though he was innocent, nevertheless, he spent two years in prison. One day he was finally released, but it wasn't for freedom. It was to be sent to Rome to be tried again. But on the way to Rome, there was a great storm and the ship they were in began breaking apart. They actually thought they were going to die. By the grace of God, they did not die. They were actually able to make it to an island. While they were on the island, they were gathering wood, and the Apostle Paul gathered some wood to make a fire. And do you remember what happened? He was bitten on the hand by a serpent. You know, it's at this point, you ever had a day where you think, what else can go wrong, but you're afraid to ask the question because you're afraid you might find out? At this point, that's got to be what Paul's thinking. Prison, shipwreck, almost die, serpent bites me on the hand. I mean, what else? Well, I'll tell you what else. When he was finally able to sail again, he was taken to Rome where he was immediately placed under house arrest and get this, salt in the wound, had to pay his own rent. Now, now, what was it I was complaining about this morning? For four years, one problem, challenge, issue, frustration, setback after another. But if you're familiar with the book of Philippians, you know that it's, it's often he writes about joy and peace and rejoicing. Isn't that interesting? Here's a man who just has just come out of all of that, and he's currently in a foreign country under house arrest, next to a soldier, and he's writing, rejoice always, and again I say what? Rejoice. How is it, Paul? You can go through all of that and maintain your joy when sometimes I can't get through the morning without being grumpy and grumbly and mad and angry and fussing. See, that's what I need to know. Maybe you do too. This morning we're going to be looking at this text to see what he shows us about how we too can be joyful no matter what. You see, God wants us to be joyful, but also those around us need to see us being joyful. 
Have you, we're, we're thinking about missions and, and souls. Have you ever thought about the, the power of your influence to those around you when you maintain your joy even though everybody else is losing theirs? In 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 15, we read, Sanctify the Lord Jesus Christ in your hearts and be ready to give an answer always of the faith that lies, the hope that lies within you. You remember that verse? Some of you might know that. And we've talked about, well, see, that means we need to be able to tell people why we believe what we believe. Well, we, we do, but that's not the context. The context is he's writing to Christians who are being persecuted. And he says, you be ready. When you're being what you ought to be and you're being joyful no matter what, when people say, how can you do that? You be ready to tell them. You see, your friends and your coworkers and your neighbors need to see you being joyful no matter what. If we're going to be joyful, it will not be in the absence of problems. It will be despite the problems. That's what we see in the Apostle Paul. This morning, four things that are going to help all of us this week to remain joyful no matter what the world, the day, the week throws at us. Number one, we need to know, we need to be confident that it really is possible to be joyful no matter what. And it is, first of all, when we have the right perspective to live from. What is perspective? It's simply how we view things, isn't it? It's how we see things. And oftentimes that's actually a choice. When you look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12, Paul says to the, to the church in Philippi, I want you to understand, brethren, the things that have happened to me. Now, we know some of the things that have happened to him. I'm sure there were many more, but even the ones we know were, were very challenging and, and, and big setbacks sometimes. But he says, I want you to know these things have actually done what? They've turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. It's actually worked out for good. You see, there's the ability, there's the perspective to, be, to choose to look for the good in the bad, to see the opportunity in the problem, to see the blessing in the challenge. And Paul did that. He goes on, and notice what he says in verse 13. He elaborates a little more, and he says, that's true because my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places, not only that, brethren are being more confident when they hear about what I'm going through. But go back to verse 13. He says, my bonds are being made known in the palace. Now think about that. So the way they did this was uh, a, a single guard, single soldier would have been on guard with Paul at all times. But it wasn't always the same one. Typically they rotated them out every four hours. So approximately six guards a day during this entire arrangement. But these were not just any soldiers. These were the elite Roman troops called the Praetorian Guard. These were the same guards who would also guard the palace. Now, I don't know, can't speak for you, and maybe it's all hypothetical, but I can imagine if I'm Paul sitting there, I am so angry and frustrated and discouraged. I don't even like this guard I just wish he was somewhere else, anywhere else. I wish I was anywhere else. You ever been in a situation like that? And why me, God? I'm trying to do my best, and this is happening to be. But it appears that Paul saw an opportunity with this one soldier. You see, the soldier had to be there too, right? And the soldier could hear him singing praises to God, and the soldier could hear him praying to God. And get this, the soldier could even... Watch him writing these words. This book was written to the church in Philippi, but it is very likely that some of the first eyes to ever see these words were that of Roman soldiers who were guarding Paul while he wrote them. 
Now turn to, real quickly, keep your finger there at chapter 1, but go to chapter 4, verse 22. Notice what he says. He's wrapping the book up, and he says to the Philippians, I'm here in Rome, all the saints here salute you, especially those that are of Caesar's household. Now, I, I have two questions. Number one, how are there saints in Caesar's household? This Caesar was named Nero. He was infamous for hating and even killing Christians. How is it there are saints in Caesar's household? And secondly, how did the saints in Caesar's household get a message to Paul to say hello to the church in Philippi? I have questions. How about you? And there's really only one possible explanation. And you know what it is, isn't it? Don't you? Paul converted some of those soldiers. And they did what? Took the gospel into the palace of Nero where Paul never could have ever gone himself. Paul says, you know what? It's actually turned out for the best. I have a whole new audience and I never would have had it otherwise. You see, that's perspective. That's the ability to look for the opportunity in the problem, to see the blessing in the challenge. I want to tell you about our brother, Vincent. Vincent lives in Cameroon. He is a graduate of one of the schools there. Cameroon's in West Africa. When he was in school, he was out one day waiting for public transportation. He and several other young men were standing there waiting on the bus to come by when police came in and arrested every young man in that area. They weren't doing anything wrong, and Vincent certainly hadn't done anything wrong, but the day before, some young men who fit their age range had done something, and so the police just came in and indiscriminately arrested everybody. Vincent was taken to prison, completely innocent, just wrong place at the wrong time. Now, I've been to this prison. It's awful. They sleep on the concrete. They're only given one meal a day. There's no plumbing. There's no sewage. There's no facilities. It's awful. Word got back to the school. The director and others began trying to facilitate his release. He finally was released after three months. For three months, every day. He woke up in that place, and he spent the day in that place, and he went to bed in that place for three solid months, completely innocent. Do you know what he did? He started studying the Bible with inmates. And before he was released, he had baptized 18 of his fellow inmates and established the Lord's church in that prison. And to this day, it meets every Sunday in that prison. And they even have their own baptistry in the courtyard. Vincent went back to school. He graduated. Guess what he does now? Full-time prison ministry. He goes back to the prison that he was in, a prisoner in every Sunday and three other prisons around the area. Untold good has been done and is being done because of that. But guess how it first came about? Through what we would look at as a horrible injustice and setback. But he chose to see the blessing. He chose to see the opportunity. And I'm, I'm wondering today, what is there in your life? that you would not have chosen. It is a challenge, it is a frustration, it is a disappointment. But that if with the right perspective, you would allow God to use it for good. That's what Paul did. That's what Vincent did. 
That's what I need to do. We can be joyful no matter what when we choose to have the right perspective to live from. But also notice that Paul had the right priority to live by. We continue reading in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 15 through 17. He says, Some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing, get this, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. He's saying there are some people who are trying to make my life more difficult. As if it isn't challenging enough, there are some who are trying to make it more difficult. Is there anybody in your life that it seems like their job title is to make your life more difficult? You have a coworker, oh, every single day. Maybe it's a neighbor. Anybody have a neighbor that likes to mow their grass at 6 a.m. on a Saturday morning? Maybe it's a family member. But somebody, it's just their job to make your life more difficult. And what happens many times, we let them steal our joy. That thing that they do or say or whatever happens first thing in the day, and our day is shot because now we have lost our joy. How do you handle that when, when, when there are people who make our life more difficult? Look what Paul did. Verse 18, he says this, what then? That's the only question in the book, by the way. And we would say it like this. So what? There are people trying to make my life more difficult. So what? I have a hard time doing that sometimes in that moment. But look at why Paul could do that. Read the rest with me. Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. You know what he's saying? I've got a priority. My priority is that Christ is preached. And if that's happening, who cares if people are trying to make my life more difficult? That's not what really matters. What really matters is Christ is preached. And if that's happening, I'm going to rejoice. You see, that's why we say that in order to be able to maintain our joy, no matter what life throws at us, we have to know what's important and what isn't. And isn't most of the things that we let take our joy in the category of unimportant? That driver cut me off, that whatever, that thing, that's, you know, that thing that really made me mad. When I back up and I view it, especially through the lens of eternity, it doesn't matter at all. And in fact, I would even say most of what we lose our joy over is not about important stuff but really unimportant stuff because we've lost our priority. What really matters? This is Robert Don. Robert was a student of mine in 2011 in Takarati, Ghana. He was single and thin back in those days. And uh, he grew up in, he was born in Liberia. He is Liberian by birth, but uh, civil war in Liberia uh, caused a lot of problems. Uh, the Soldiers came into his village one day, killed a lot of the male members of his family. He was forced to watch some awful things uh, done to his mother and sisters. Uh, a soldier hit him in the head with his machete. Can you imagine hitting a 10-year-old in the head with a machete? Robert still bears a scar there. 
As a result of all of that, he and the remaining family members moved to a refugee camp in Ghana. He was telling me this story. I, I, I mean, I, I could not comprehend what that would be like to go through all of that, especially at 10 years old. And then he said this. He said, but that's the best thing that could have happened to me. Because it forced me to the refugee camp. And that's where I learned about Jesus. Wow. To be able to look at that and say, you know what? Some really good things came out of that. I now know about Jesus and I may not have otherwise. So I've got a priority I'm living by. That's what really matters. Robert told me that day there are a lot of people in Liberia that don't know about Jesus. I need to go back. He graduated school. He went back several years later, invited me to come look at starting a school there. We have done that. It's been going like six years or more. And last year alone, 2021, Robert and the students in that school baptized 779 people. Started 14 congregations across northern Liberia. Because Robert said, you know what? I've got a priority to live by. What about us? What is my priority? Or is my priority so thin, so superficial, so unknown that I let even the small things take my joy? We can be joyful no matter what. Thirdly, notice Paul says we can be joyful when we have the right power to live on. We need power. We need strength. At verse 19, I'm really happy to see Paul admit that he needs some strength. Sometimes we read about people like Paul and we think, wow, they must have been superhuman superheroes. Well, no, they weren't. They were simply they were simple human beings who had given themselves to God's service. But even they got weak. Even they we're discouraged and, and down sometimes, aren't we all? Life can grind us down. Life can wear us down. And Paul said, I need strength. And he tells the Philippians there are two things that give him strength. Remember, he's a long way from them, and he's over here by himself. And he said, there are two things to keep me going. Number one, verse 19, he says, is your prayers. The prayers of his brethren kept him going. Verse 19, he says, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through what? Your prayer. Paul could not see them. They could not see Paul, but he knew they were praying for him and, and he knew, they knew he was praying for them. And the prayers of his brethren kept him going. He knew they were praying for him and they gave him strength. And you know, many times we, we get worn down in this life because we're trying to do it alone. Maybe I'm even talking to somebody right now who's going through a hard time and you're trying to do it alone. Paul says, listen, you can't do it alone and you don't need to do it alone. We can pray with and we can pray for each other. There's a second thing Paul said kept him going and it's hope. Hope. You can't cope without hope. Look at what he says in verse 20. Notice the, the, the positivity of his words, according to my earnest expectation and hope. 
that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul says, I'm just being honest here. I don't know if I'm going to live or die here. I may die right here in Rome. I don't know. I might live. That I don't know, this I do know, I have hope. And I will be victorious, whether it's by life or death. Hope. Paul says, I need your prayers. And I need his hope. And the two of them keep me going. How about you? Has life worn you down? Had a lot of setbacks, challenges, frustrations, problems, and you're trying to do it alone. You've forgotten that you're going to win no matter what, how it, it ends. And it's not going to change the fact that we have you. Have we forgotten that? Sometimes we do. This morning is our reminder that we can keep our joy and God wants us to keep our joy. But we need to remember to lean on to and on and into that power. We can pray for each other. One of the blessings I have is meeting brethren all over the world, and, and we're far apart. And sometimes even when we say bye, we know we may not see each other again, but we can always say this, I'll be praying for you. We have that. And if you are in Christ, you have hope. And the strength that comes from that keeps us going as well. Yes, we can be joyful no matter what when we have the right power to live on. And one more thing. We can be joyful no matter what when we have the right purpose to live for. You see, by now, Paul was an old man. They had taken away his privacy. They had taken away his freedom. They had taken away his friends. But there was one thing they could not take away, his purpose. He took that everywhere he went. Notice what he says in verse 21. Now, verse 21 is well-known uh, we, we know this verse well. It's very short, easy to memorize when you're in Bible school and you, know, you need to get a star for memory, memorizing verses. But notice what he says. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now most every time I've ever heard that verse talked about, it's about the second part. To die is gain. While he had great faith that he knew even if he died he was going to win. That's, and that's true and that's great. But don't overlook the first part. I think that's the most profound part. For me to live is Christ. Paul didn't say I'm living for Christ. He said my life is Christ. He is my reason. He is my why. He is my purpose. And if I were going to ask you to fill in the blank in the honesty of your own mind, how would it go for me to live is what? Not the church answer, not the one you know you're supposed to say, but the real answer. Based on my loyalties and my priorities and my resources and how I allocate my life, what's the truth? And you know, sometimes we lose our joy because we lose our way, because we've lost our purpose. And Paul says, you can't take that from me. I know why I'm here. If we were to ask people out, you know, out on the street, what, wh why are you here? What's your purpose for living? Some would say, well, my, my, for me to live is pleasure. Whatever feels good, I, that's what I'm doing. And I'm chasing that every weekend. 
And, and some would say, well, for me to live is possessions. I want to get more, bigger, newer, nicer, better. Some would say, well, I, I, you know, for me to live is power. I'm trying to climb that ladder. I'm trying to work my way to the top. I want that title. I want that office. I want that prestige. And Paul says, all of that stuff doesn't last. The pleasure goes away. The possessions go away. The power goes away. And what are you left with? Paul says the best way to spend your life is to invest it in something that will outlive it. In chapter 3 of the book of Philippians, he says in verse 12, not that I've already attained either or, or, or made perfection or completeness, but I follow after, trying to apprehend. He says in verse 13, I count not myself to have apprehended, but one thing, this one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forward to the things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is your purpose? Don't lose your way and your joy because you've lost your why. We can be joyful no matter what. And life can really throw, throw us some curveballs, can't it? It can really throw us some challenges. And, and we're going to have these things come about. And, and we're not always going to be on top of the mountain. But we don't have to lose our joy. Let's have the right perspective to, to live from so that we can see and look for the opportunities even in the problems, see the blessing even in the bad. Let's get our priorities straight. What really matters and what really doesn't matter. What about power? Have you been trying to do it alone? Have you been trying to just grit this out? I mean, that's kind of the American way, right? The whole bootstraps and all, I'm going to do and, and Paul says, that's foolish. This morning, we want to pray with you and pray for you. Whatever it is you're going through, this is not a Lone Ranger thing. We're a family. And Paul says, you can remain joyful no matter what when you keep your purpose in mind. If you're not yet a member of the family of God, you're not yet living that joyful life, you can do that today. Repent of your sins, be baptized for the forgiveness of those sins, and God will add you to his family. And you can truly begin living the joyful life. Whatever your need is this morning, please let us know how we can help you right now while we stand and sing.